Good morning, church family. Last Sunday, we started a, a brief series called In His Presence. And uh, what we talked about last week is that one of the key themes of the Bible is that God dwells with His people. And we talked about one of the verses uh, last Sunday, one of the key verses we looked at was Isaiah 57, verse 15, that says, For this is what the high and lofty one says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and lofty place, but also, those two key words there are important, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And what we talked about last week, is that God is both transcendent and imminent. And let me tell you what those words mean in case this is your first Sunday here. Based on that verse, first of all, God is transcendent. That means He is outside and above creation. He is greater than we are. He is uh, more than we could ever imagine. That's what it means in the first half of that verse. For This is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, who is holy and lives in a high and holy place. God's transcendent. He's different from we are. Would you agree with that? God's different from you? But God's also imminent is what we looked at last week. The word imminent means that God is present. God is here. God is accessible. God is available. And in the second half of the verse it says but also this one who lives in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, that God is present with us when we need him most. And so that's what we looked at last week. We also said towards the end of the message last week that if anybody knew about the presence of God, it was the Lord Jesus. And on his last night before his crucifixion, he said to his disciples, a time is coming and has come, when you, speaking to the disciples, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you, the disciples, will leave me all alone. Then he said, yet I am not alone, for my heavenly Father is with me. In the hardest time of his life, Jesus relied on the presence of God. And so can you. Now, that was last Sunday. We talked about the fact that we are never alone. Would you say those two words with me? We are never alone. That was last Sunday. Today I want to talk to you about relying on God's presence as you seek to do His will. You see, it's one thing to say from your mind, we are never alone. It's quite another thing to live that out as you serve the Lord. It's one thing to declare with your mouth, we are never alone. It's quite another thing to live that out and step out in faith, believing that the Lord is with you. Let me tell you a story today about a man who learned from personal experience about relying on the presence of God. You know this man, when I tell you his name, you're going to know immediately who he is. You're going to know immediately the story. You may even know where the story is found in the Bible. It's such a popular story, but I hope that perhaps you will look at this story with a fresh perspective. The story is found in Exodus chapter 3, and it's the story of a man named Moses. Would you take your Bibles and go to Exodus chapter 3? <clears throat> Exodus chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. 
And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, before we read any more, let me just give you a little bit of context for this man named Moses. Previously, years and years and years before this, Moses was born uh, in Egypt, raised as an Egyptian, and when he was 40 years old, tried to free some of his people, the Hebrews, from, from Egyptian bondage. It did not go well. Moses ran for his life as he left Egypt. Now he's been in Midian working for his father-in-law in the deserts of Midian as a shepherd for 40 years. Another 40 years. So when we read this story we're about to read in just a moment, you need to understand that Moses at this time was 80 years old. 80 years old. Let's see what happens. There, in the desert... There, verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this. What's those next two words? Strange sight. This is unusual. There's something strange here. I'll, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw, <clears throat> when the Lord saw that he had gone over, to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. <clears throat> and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Would you pretend for a moment, try in your mind, in your imagination to think that you're 80 years old, a shepherd in the deserts of Midian? And God says... Now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, parentheses, I'm sending you to the most powerful man in the world. Now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt, out of bondage, and to the land that I'll show you. Now, how did God speak to Moses? What, what, what did God use there as he was speaking to Moses? What was the visual? Burning bush. It's amazing, isn't it? God can take an insignificant bush and ignite it and turn it into a miracle. And that's exactly what he wanted to do with Moses. Take an insignificant man and ignite him and turn him into a miracle. Now, Moses, when he hears this word, when God says, I've chosen you, I am sending you, now go to Pharaoh. Do you think Moses was excited or was he hesitant? Well, you don't need to 
even answer out loud because most of us know the story. Moses was reluctant to do what God was calling him to do. Look at verse 11, how he says it. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? I'm just an 80-year-old shepherd in the backside of the desert. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Have you ever felt that way? Boy, I sure have. I've had those times when I thought, God, who am I? I don't feel qualified to do this. God, who am I? I don't feel capable of doing this. Who am I? I'm not good enough to do this. God, I'm just a nobody. Who am I that you would give me this opportunity? Moses was struggling in that same way. Moses was struggling with the call of God on his life for the very same reasons. He felt like a nobody. He did not feel capable. He didn't feel like he could do what God was calling him to do. And in fact, watch this, five times he tried to get out of what God was calling him to do. I'll show you that in Scripture. One is in verse 11. We've already read that. We'll read it again. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites. I'm not saying I will, but suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? I don't even know your name. Look in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Verse 10, chapter 4, verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And then verse 13, absolute proof that Moses was a Baptist. Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. Please. Everybody look up here and tell you something. One, one thing that I've learned in preaching the Bible now for 42 years and pastoring for 33 years is that when God invites us to join Him in what He is about to do, we're not always excited about it. I mean, just think through your mind. You'll see what I'm talking about. Just think through the Bible in your mind. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah ran from the Lord and the will of God. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Jeremiah... I'm calling you to be a prophet. And Jeremiah questioned the will of God. He was too small and he couldn't speak. He was too young and he couldn't speak. And he questioned the will of God. Ananias, I want you to go to Saul. Put your hands on him. He's my chosen instrument. Ananias didn't want to go to Saul because he had heard things about Saul. And, and he was fearful of God's will and God's call on his life. Can I say to you the fact that you don't want to do what God is calling you to do is not a sign that God's not in it. It may be a sign that you're simply not in the will of God. It may be a sign that you're fighting against the will of God. Moses is a great example of that. Forty years earlier, he would have jumped at the chance to free the, the Hebrews from the Egyptian bondage. Forty years earlier, that was kind of at the top of his list. Forty years earlier, he would have been excited about God telling him, I'm going to use you to bring the people out of Egypt. He would have jumped at that chance 40 years earlier. But not now. Now he says, who am I that I would do such a thing? What's happened to Moses over those 40 years? I can answer it with one word. Life. He's 80 years old now. 
He's not the young guy that he used to be. He's 80. He's got a wife and kids. He's got a steady job. He's got some baggage. Last time he was in Egypt, it didn't go so well. He didn't do so good. He's got some baggage. Moses has his own life now. He has his own plans now. He's settled. He's got lots of reasons to stay put and do nothing. Warren Wiersbe said it this way about Moses. He said, in Egypt, 40 years before, Moses acted like an impetuous horse and rushed ahead of God. But now he's acting like a stubborn mule and resisting God. Oh, that's a pretty good statement. So five times he tells God why he has a bad idea. Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to talk God out of his plan? I sure have. I mean, it's, I, can I just give you a word of testimony? One of the most frustrating things you'll ever do is try to convince God that he's wrong and you're right. It just doesn't work very, very well. One of the most frustrating things you'll ever do is to try to talk God out of His plan as if your plan is better. I mean, think about this. Every excuse you're going to offer to God, He already knows it. Every problem you're going to raise about the situation, God knew that before He called you. Every fear that you have, God knew that before He called you. So when God speaks, He's not asking for your advice. When God speaks, He's asking for your obedience. Henry Blackaby calls it the crisis of belief. That point of decision where you have to decide what you believe about God. And what God is going to do in your life and through your life. Now, go back to the text. I want you to see how God answered Moses. Remember what Moses said to God in verse 11. Chapter 3, verse 11. Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh. I want you to see how God answers him in verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. If you don't have that marked in your Bible yet, this would be a good time to mark those five words. I will be with you. Those five words make all the difference. I will be with you. That was God's answer. God didn't try to explain everything to him. He just said, I'm going to be with you. Now, he later explains it a little bit. But God's, God's answer was those five words. I will be with you. Based on those five life-changing words, I want to give you two lessons for life for all of us. Here's the first one. The will of God will never lead you where the presence of God can't take you. The will of God will never lead you where the presence of God can't take you. Moses was very reluctant to follow the Lord. And he offered God all kinds of excuses. But eventually, eventually, he turned his back on Midian and turned his face toward Egypt. Eventually, he began to walk away from his sheep and walk toward the people of God in Egypt. Eventually, he went to face the, the most powerful man in the world, a man named Pharaoh, known as Pharaoh. Moses did all of that because ringing in his ears were these five powerful words, I will be with you. There comes a point, there comes a point where you have to decide if you believe that. There comes a point you have to decide how deeply you believe that. 
Moses stood before Pharaoh, and if you read the rest of the story, he speaks with great boldness, and he speaks with great courage and certainty because he believed what God had told him, I will be with you. And later, when Moses led the people eventually out of Egypt, there was a, a cloud in the sky to, to guide them during the day and a pillar of fire to guide them at night. They were visible signs that God was keeping His promise. I will be with you. They were visible signs of the nearness and the presence of God. And when they stood on the edge of the Red Sea, and all of a sudden the waters parted, they walked across on dry ground, it was another visible sign that the presence of God was what was making the difference. And when God brought forth water from the rock, or when God sent quail from heaven, or manna from heaven for the people to eat, it was another example that God was keeping His promise. I will be with you. Wherever they went, whatever they faced, it was always the presence of God that made the difference. See, listen to this, and don't ever forget it, hopefully. Whenever you follow the path of God, you can always be certain of the presence of God. Whenever you follow the path of God, you can be certain of the presence of God. That promise is found again and again through your Bible. Again and again, God makes that same promise, those five words, I will be with you. When I was 17, God made that promise to me. I'm now 59, and for 42 years, I've watched God keep that promise again and again and again. I will be with you. And I can tell you with my hand in the air, God has never dropped that promise. He has never stopped keeping that promise. God is, has been, always will be with me. Not because I'm special, but because He's powerful. And His presence is very real. Now, let me pick up the story again because it takes an interesting turn. I want to tell you about another man in this story named Joshua. See, there came the day eventually after Moses was leading the people out of Egypt and he eventually led them through the wilderness. It was a long journey and he, and he leads them to the, near the edge of the promised land. But he's getting up in age. He's 120 years old now. For another 40 years have passed, and God tells him, you're not going to be able to lead my people into the promised land. But I'm going to use your assistant, whose name is Joshua. Let's pick up the story and see what happens. Go over with me, if you will, to the book of Deuteronomy, over to the right. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Find chapter 31. I love this part of the story. Deuteronomy 31. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I'm no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you'll take possession of the land. Now look what he says. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Shihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Now watch what he says to the people. Moses, 
Get this in your mind. Moses is speaking to all of Israel right now. He's probably shouting, trying to make sure everybody can hear him. And here's what he says to the people. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he said to the people of God. They've only known one leader in their entire life. They've only known one leader, Moses. He's about to say to them, I'm going to be going away. I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to lead you into the promised land. They're starting to get fearful about that. And Moses said, listen, you don't need to be afraid. You need to be strong and courageous because, here's the reason, five words, the Lord will be with you. But now watch this. I love this part of the story. He said that to the whole group. Look at the rest of the story, beginning in verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua. Joshua, come here a minute. Joshua, come here, come here, come here. And said to him, in the presence of all Israel. He's looking at Joshua eyeball to eyeball. Now he's not yelling. Now he's speaking directly into Joshua's heart. And he says, be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them. And you must divide it among them as your inheritance. The Lord himself goes for you. And look at these words. And will be with you. You ought to underline that one. The Lord, Joshua, the Lord will be with you. Then look what he says. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why do you think he told him don't be afraid? Because he's probably shaking in his boots. His knees were probably knocking. And he says, listen, listen, listen. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. And here's why you can be courageous. Because the Lord will be with you, Joshua. And in fact, I'll give you another promise. He will never leave you. He will always be with you. I know I've told a lot of you this story before. Some of you are new. You don't know it. But, but I know I've, I've said this story before. But, but let me share with you a little bit about when I was in college, uh, I took flight training. I learned how to fly an airplane. And, and when I was flying the airplane, I always had this white-headed guy sitting right beside me. It was a small plane, a, a Cessna 150, one, uh, 153, I think it was. And, and they're small, and you're sitting, literally, I could feel his shoulder on my shoulder. It was a tight fit, and I'm flying this plane. But I never really worried too much about it. In fact, I loved it. I, I, I loved to fly, and I loved flying even just starting out. I didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't have to worry about it because he was with me. So every day, every, or every week, I'd go, and, and we'd, we'd fly around, and we'd turn the engine off and turn it back on, and... And, you know, just learning how to do different things. Like if, if it stalls, here's what you do. And here's how you land. Here's how you take off. We, we just did all kinds of things. And I never really worried about it. I just enjoyed it because he was always with me. I could feel his shoulder on my shoulder. He was just always with me. I didn't worry about it. And I knew that the time was coming that eventually I'd have to solo, fly by myself. But I had it in my mind how it was all going to work. You know, he's going to tell me ahead of time, now next week when you come, be sure to pray a lot because you're going to solo. And I just, had, I just knew that's the way it's all going to work out. He'd tell me in advance. I'd pray a long time. We'd be ready. And then I, I would, he would watch me and wave at me as I took off. But that's not the way it happened. 
we were doing our touch and goes. We were flying, and, you know, touch and goes, you just you take off, you fly around, you land, you take off, you fly around. We are doing our touch and goes. I had no clue what he was thinking. And all of a sudden, I landed, and, and I started to give it gas again, and he put his hand on my hand and said, no, don't give it any gas. Pull over. I thought, boy, I have really messed up. And he, he, I pulled over, and he looked at me. Then he opened the door, and he got out. And he said, now take off. And he closed the door. And I wanted to say to him out loud, this is not the way it's supposed to go. (laughs) You're supposed to tell me ahead of time (laughs) so I can pray about it. (laughs) And I remember, I remember taking off. And I I literally remember looking, I'm pulling back. I'm, I'm, I'm climbing and I'm looking at my gauges. And then I look over and the seat is empty. For the first time in my life, the seat was empty. And I said, Lord, please be my co-pilot. And I looked over and he still wasn't there, but I trusted that he was. Now, why do I tell you that story? Because I want you to understand something. When it comes to God, there's never a time when he gets out of the plane. He said to Joshua, Joshua, look at me. Let me tell you something. The Lord will be with you. And he will never Get out of the plane. The Lord will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Joshua, do you understand that? Do you understand what I'm saying? The Lord will be with you. I know you don't feel qualified. I know you feel overwhelmed. I know you don't know how to lead two million people. But Joshua, listen to me. Listen to me. The Lord will be with you. He will never leave you. Imagine going home and telling your wife, never believe what Moses said today. I mean, have you ever got one of those phone calls where it's like somebody calls and offers you a job and you didn't anticipate that phone call? Somebody calls and, and wants you to do something and you, you just that you, it was just not in your frame of reference and it's just blowing your mind that they would ask you to do this. And so, so you call your husband or you call your wife. It's like, you're never going to believe he, he just called me. You're never going to believe what they just offered me. You're never going to believe the job. They just want me to do. Apparently, Joshua went home and said, you're never going to believe, honey. I mean, I mean you, just, you, you just, guess who's taking over for Moses? Who? She starts naming people. And she never names him. Now, this is just imagination. I don't have scripture for this. She never names him. And then he says, I'm taking over. And she puts her head down. And she thinks, oh my goodness. I, I, again, I don't have scripture and verse for that, but I do have scripture and verse for how Joshua responded. Apparently, Joshua was terrified. I mean, absolutely, out of his mind, shaking in his boots, terrified. I, I'll show you what I'm talking about. Looking Joshua over, over to the right, Joshua chapter 1. Go over a couple of pages there. Joshua chapter 1. In Deuteronomy, Moses was about to die. In Joshua chapter 1, we find out the very first verse that Moses has now died. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people 
get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Skip down to verse 5. He says, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. And here's why. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's interesting what God said to Joshua. He goes on to say, verse 6, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. And then he says it again in verse 7, Be strong and very courageous. Now, now why... Why did God say that to him over and over? Be strong and very courageous. In fact, he says in verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Which brings me to the second lesson I wanted to give you. The second life principle based on, on this text is this one. God's answer to our fear is His presence. God's answer to our fear is His presence. You see, our mission and God's presence are inseparable. The mission that God gives you, the purpose that God places in your life, the calling of God on your life, God's calling and His presence are inseparable. I will be with you wherever you go. So when God calls you to something, He doesn't promise you that it's necessarily going to be easy, but He does promise you His presence. When God calls you to something, it might scare the living daylights out of you, like it probably did Joshua, but He does promise you His presence. And sometimes the greater the task is, the greater we realize how little we can bring to the table and how much we need the Lord. And when you read through the Bible... Again and again, chapter after chapter, book by book, it was the presence of God that always made the difference. The presence of God made the difference between defeat and victory. The presence of God made the difference between being scared and having courage. And so God said to Joshua, Moses is dead, you're taking over. Now Joshua, be very courageous, be very strong, do not be dismayed, I Let me give you a couple more examples real quickly of that principle because it's found throughout the Bible that God's presence is always attached to God's plan. You find that all through the Bible. Whenever God calls you to a task, He always promises you if you do the task, He's going to be with you in that task. Let me show you an example of that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, go over to the right, quite a, quite a few books over, and find the book of Jeremiah real quick. Jeremiah chapter 1. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 1. Just an illustration of how God calls us to a task. We often are scared. We often perhaps are reluctant. But God promises His presence. Verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a what? 
I'm only a child, a translation. I'm too young for what you're calling me to do. Verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child or I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not, watch this, verse 8, it's highlighted in my Bible. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. You see, fear many times is the largest obstacle we face regarding the call of God on our lives. God doesn't ask us to do things that are easy sometimes. God sometimes asks us to do things that are scary, things that we feel like we're not qualified to do. But He also makes this promise. I'll never ask you to do it alone. I'll never ask you to do it alone. That's one example. Jeremiah, go over to the New Testament. Matthew, I want to show you how the the Gospel of Matthew ends. First book in the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew. I want to remind you how this book ends. <clears throat> Matthew ends his book by emphasizing that the mission of God and the presence of God are inseparable. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, and so the following words are from the mouth of Jesus, and here's what Jesus said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Pretty big task. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He's giving the disciples the worldwide task of taking the gospel to the nations. And then he says, and surely, look how the book ends, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, the presence of God is central to the plan of God. God is not asking you to do something amazing. God is asking you to trust in His presence. God is not asking Mount Airy to do something that would just be unbelievable. God is asking us to trust in His presence. God is not calling you to be something that, that would just astound the world. God is calling you to obey His presence. If you haven't seen the presence of God lately in your life, maybe you haven't stepped out in faith lately to do the will of God. I am with you, He said, always to the end of the world when God when Jesus gave the disciples the great commission and us the last thing that he said was I am with you I'll tell you a story about John Ortberg he tells in one of his books John <clears throat> went out surfing one day he said there was nobody else on the water nobody he said in fact there was no one around at all except for one guy, a big guy, that John called Goliath. He said, Goliath was on the beach and he was doing Taekwondo and he's the only one within eyesight anywhere. John just kind of waved at Goliath and he paddled on out and he's surfing. And he said, I was out there a little while and then all of a sudden I saw this little kid come out. He said he was so small, it looked like he could have surfed on a Frisbee rather than a surfboard. He was just a little guy, but he was a talkative guy. His name was Shane. And he was talking to Shane, and Shane was just a friendly guy. And he said, Shane, why are you out here? He said, I love to surf. He said, how long have you been surfing? He said, seven years. He said, how old are you? He said, I'm eight. 
So John asked little Shane, eight years old, said, how'd you get here? He said, my dad brought me. And then about that time, Shane turned around and waved to Goliath on the beach. And John said, I suddenly recognized Shane was not alone. He had more than enough protection right there watching over him. So do you. His name is not Goliath. He's far bigger than that. And the five words that he says to you today as you wrestle with God's call and God's will, the five words that he says to you are very simple and very powerful. I will be with you. The issue is not your ability. The issue is not that you can check all the boxes. The issue is not that you can figure it all out. The issue, are you willing to literally trust in His presence? I will be with you. For 42 years, God has honored that promise. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Pray with you. never really alone and the time that that is really tested your belief in that is when you are called by God to do something I will be with you those five words make all the difference I will be with you you're never really alone so father because only you can direct us in your will. If there's anybody here that's struggling with that, fearful of that, anybody here feels like a nobody and they just don't feel like they're capable, help us just to trust in your presence. I pray for Mount Airy Baptist Church that we would not simply feel like we've got to do something spectacular. And I pray that we'll lean in like never before, believing that you are with us. May Jesus be honored and glorified through it all. I pray in his name. Amen.